This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network. As you know, I have a great love for the saints of the church and find the stories of their lives more fascinating than most of what is seen on everyday TV or some new special effects science fiction thriller at the local movie theater. And while I may have an inkling of something special attributed to their faith, I'm always amazed at to the paths that led them to their own special charism and their own special relationship with God, often in a roundabout way and ways that I would never dreamed of writing about had I been an author writing about their lives or making it up. Well, We've all lived with the knowledge of certain phrases that are sometimes overworked, but there is one phrase that I believe stands head and shoulders above all the others, and that simply stated is, truth is often stranger than fiction. Well, that is certainly true in the life of Peregrine Laziosi, who was born in Forli, Italy, way back in 1260, which was a time of turmoil, heightened by not only social and economical problems, but spiritual questioning as well. It was a time when there was much political unrest, and this was fueled, particularly in that area, by many anti-clerical sentiments. Many people resented the church's opposition to the way they wanted to live their lives, plus There were papal states, such as where Forley was located, and because of frequent opposition and to enforce the laws, there was even a papal military force. Rightly or wrongly, there will always be those who oppose being told what to do and are willing to take up arms and fight against anyone telling them what to do. And back those many centuries ago, there were numerous factions ready to do battle at the slightest provocation. And rightly or wrongly, that was the world that greeted young Laziosi. While it was customary to name the firstborn son in honor of the paternal grandfather, it was likely that the child's mother had other ideas perhaps based on her own Catholic beliefs, regardless of her husband's rather anti-clerical feelings, she wanted to name the child Peregrine, which meant pilgrim. She viewed the child as a gift from God, and perhaps he would be a pilgrim to heaven. Well, as little Peregrine was beginning to grow, his mother certainly made every effort to teach him about God as as well as the little basic prayers that could start nourishing his faith. But life was not to be easy for the Forlanese and, and many others at that time period. There were constant battles, disagreements, resentments from Rome, particularly if the Pope was of a different nationality. Perhaps if they had the communication opportunities that are available to us in our time, many of the disagreements, the hostilities, and problems of that day may have been presented. But that was another time and another place, and the opportunity for resentment was always present. And resentment braids antagonism, and that is a forerunner of warfare. So, That's what happened, and little Peregrine's father went to battle. He would return a few years later, bitter and resentful. 
and I would imagine this would be a this would be a powerful influence on any young child's mind. Well, growing up, he particularly enjoyed the friendship of a young girl named Kiara, who had a sparkling personality and with whom he shared many pleasant memories of his childhood. They would become good and close friends. Well, the hostilities and political antagonisms would last for years, people taking sides, forming opinions based on their own situations, and over time, these beliefs, as well as hostilities, would have a profound effect on any child, or young person, that is, and particularly in their formative years, and Peregrine Laziosi was certainly no exception. Children learn from their parents. Somewhere probably around Peregrine's teenage years, his mother became very ill, and her condition quickly worsened, and even with the best of medical care, which by our standards of today was pretty primitive, she would not survive. The family was, of course, grief-stricken, but Peregrine's childhood friend Kiara would come by to cheer him up possibly because of his father and partially because of the times, First Communion did not receive the importance it has today. Peregrine's First Communion had been delayed, and one of his mother's dying wishes was that he would be prepared for and receive his First Communion. And after many delays, he would at least start in his preparation. But with the constant hostilities of the time, Peregrine's father enlisted him in the military service at a very early age, and he began his rigid routine of training to prepare him for battle. He was strong with a dynamic personality which made him popular and a leader, and also one always ready for a good time. He and his friend Kiara would often be joined by other friends for nights on the town and carousing with friends. His father was becoming more hostile to the church, and since his mother was no longer present to be a tempering influence in his life, Peregrine's attitude began to harden. Well, it would be matching his father's attitude, of course, and he became more rebellious to anything religious or clerical and Peregrine and Kiara seemed like magnets in attracting other young people to turn their backs on the church in favor of good times, and wherever they went, they were accompanied by large groups of young people out for fun and good times. God was certainly not included. And for Peregrine, well, then there was the military, with physical activities designed to build strength and endurance, becoming adept with the art of dueling, wrestling, hand-to-hand -hand combat, swimming, and all sorts of body and mind-building activities. And through all of these programs, Peregrine was becoming more and more a leader, admired and respected by his peers. He would often boast about his future ambitions and what he wanted to achieve to the admiration and respect of his peers, who undoubtedly believed he would achieve anything he wanted. The 
teachings of his mother and the faith she had taught him were becoming dimmed and less important and a less part of his life. Does that sound familiar? Well, Peregrine's father, of course, was still in the military, and he'd been busy with the many responsibilities of his rank, and perhaps since they were now faced with the very likely possibility of going into battle, he realized that he may not have prepared his son as well as he should have. Even though young men matured faster in those days, Peregrine was now only 16 years old, and Perhaps his father felt that he should talk to him, man to man, about what the young boy faced as a soldier. Or perhaps it was that he was so busy he just hadn't paid enough attention, but he was unprepared for the vehemence and anger that took control of Peregrine when his father spoke to him of their enemies. He was totally unprepared and unaware of the deep-seated hatred and hostility Peregrine felt toward the enemies of his father, and his willingness and even readiness to go and do war and, and battle as well. In fact, he told his father that he must go. Well, shocked, his father then thought back at the love and training Peregrine's mother had started on him. Was it for nothing, he wondered? Well, he was truly jarred by Peregrine's anger and hostility, and this is not what his dear departed wife would have wanted. Well, it wasn't long before his thoughts were interrupted by the news that the enemy was near and a major battle was at hand. He told Peregrine that he needed him to take charge and protect the home while he was at battle. Peregrine objected, but the father reasoned that it was Peregrine's job to protect the home. Well, the battle had many fronts, and this was his, and reluctantly Peregrine agreed, and so he did as he was told. The battle was lost, and Peregrine was told his father had been taken prisoner. The city had fallen, and no, he had still never made his first communion, and while he had gone to Mass more out of habit than religion, he had even now stopped going altogether, rather than being kidded about being a saint. And he was not alone. Many other young people had stopped practicing their faith. And to whom would they direct their real anger of the day? Well, for many, the answer was simple. They would direct their anger at the head of the soldiers, or, to be more exact, the head of the church, and that would be the Pope. So, as far as Peregrine was concerned, there was probably no one more responsible for his father being missing than the Pope himself. So, he would be the target of his anger, the Pope and his church. In Rome, Pope Martin IV was certainly aware of the sufferings of his rebellious children, and, and he wanted to do everything within his power to welcome them back within the church so that they could live in peace and particularly partake of the sacraments. And to accomplish this, it was his intention not to send a general with a mighty army, but instead now to send a man known for his holiness, his kindness, and devotion to the faith. 
to meet with the leaders at Forley and encourage them to return to the fold, well, the man selected was a kind and gentle religious who was actually acquainted with the people of Forley. After all, this priest, Father Philip Benizi, who was the general superior of the Order of Servites, the Order, the Servants of Mary, well, he had had successfully brought other cities back into the fold by his, by his kindness, his humility, and his gentleness. He was the perfect choice. As a side issue, he was later canonized a saint. Well, anyway, word spread quickly that an ambassador from the Pope had arrived in Forley, and many were eager to hear what he had to say. However, when Peregrine, still a very impetuous and angry young man, heard the news, he became even more irate. Why doesn't he go back to Rome? What does he want us to do? Why should we listen to him? Who will tell him he's not wanted here and that we don't care? Well, the more he thought about it, the madder he got. If nobody else was brave enough to tell him, well, to tell him what to do, then I will tell him. I'll show him he's not wanted here. I'll teach him a thing or two, was what Peregrine said. And he wasn't going to do it alone. Peregrine hurried around Forley, gathering up his friends to accompany him on his mission. Well, as I mentioned, they already held him in very high esteem, and this would only add to his prestige. Well, the good Father Philip had started speaking to the citizens of Forley, reminding them that the church was indeed like a good mother, stretching out her arms to embrace them. And with great charity, he was encouraging the people to return to the Father's house. As he was speaking, Peregrine arrived with his small group of supporters, and he interrupted the holy priest with insulting comments designed to agitate the crowd who had become intent while listening to the pleas of the good priest. Peregrine kept the insults flying, and his comments were definitely starting to motivate the crowd in turning against this humble priest as they started to cheer Peregrine on his attacks. As the priest raised his hand to bestow a blessing, Peregrine, apparently thinking that the priest was about to strike him, gave him a mighty shove followed by a stinging blow to his face. There was a loud cheer on behalf of Peregrine's action as they led the priest to the edge of the city to send him back to Rome. Instead of defending himself, Father Philip prayed for Peregrine and his attackers. There was a pause as Peregrine halted his verbal abuse. He was now silent. What had come over him all of a sudden? Was he remembering the training and the words of his mother? the words his mother had taught him so many years ago. Peregrine's friends noticed an immediate change in his attitude. He was almost withdrawn. He seemed distant. Something had changed. Perhaps he was sick or not feeling well. Well, we'll never know exactly, because there was a dramatic change taking place as Philip departed. Peregrine suddenly covered his face with his hands, and he, he broke into tears, undoubtedly remembering what he had been taught so many years ago by his mother. 
His anger had made him forget. He was no longer feeling brave and in charge, but ashamed and very small. The change in Peregrine's whole demeanor was immediately noticed by his friends. They were puzzled, and when he covered his face with his hands weeping, they thought they should take him home, but he ignored them. Suddenly, I would imagine, he bolted away from his friends and ran toward the outskirts of the town until he caught up with the, with the priest and his party and, and threw himself at the feet of the priest, apologizing for his actions and asking for forgiveness. The priest, whom I mentioned was uh, the head of a religious order of Servites, took Peregrine's hand as the young man begged for forgiveness. He was told to do all in his power to foster love in his heart. He was told not to take part in any more sacrilegious attacks on the church and to cherish a devotion to the Blessed Mother if he wished to shake off the bonds of secularism and sin. He was told to find out what the will of God had in mind for him, Peregrine, in the future. And then quietly he headed back toward his home. Peregrine's attitude seemed spent. When his friends saw him, they were concerned and even felt that they should accompany him wherever he went, but he pulled away from them. He wanted to be alone at the outskirts of the city at Forley, as Philip had left and where he had forgiven him. That was where he would go. Peregrine's life was never to be the same again. What had started earlier that day as an attack on God's church was a new beginning for the life of Peregrine. As he left his friends behind, well, oh, they immediately noticed that there was a change. Perhaps his exuberance had been, his exuberance had been softened. He had overtaxed himself, they wondered. He disregarded their suggestions and, and would walk away from them, leaving them puzzled. And outside the city, the servant of Mary, Father Philip, was with his companions on their way back to Rome. They had stopped to pray when they heard someone calling. It was Peregrine Laciosi. He had caught up with them. Peregrine sobbed as he apologized again for striking the priest and asked the servant of Mary how he could make restitution for the deeds of his past life and, and promised to follow any directions given him. And he promised to follow the will of God, and then he returned home. Peregrine's friends continued their wild ways, but no Peregrine was with them. And finally they called at his home again to find out why he was not joining them, and he sent word through his servants that he had serious things to think about. They taunted their old friend, but he just ignored them. Well, as the days blended into weeks, Peregrine became more and more aware of the power of prayer as well as the joy to be found in the service of God. He would often revisit the spot where Father Philip had forgiven him his attack, and he found peace there. And, and following Philip, uh, Father Philip's request, Peregrine also spent time in church, pouring out his heart to the mother of God as Father Philip had suggested. And like his own mother in days long past, 
she made known to him the path he was to follow. After a period of time, Peregrine was kneeling in church before a picture of the Madonna when it suddenly appeared to him to be illuminated by brightness, and it has been said that Mary suddenly appeared before the awed young man as he heard a beautiful voice speaking to him. It said, I am here, my son, because I wish myself to direct your steps in the way of salvation, and therefore I show you a part of my glory. The peregrine was frightened and didn't know how to react, and then the voice spoke again. Do not be afraid. I am the mother of the crucified whom you worship and from whom I am sent to show you how to attain eternal bliss. He was told to go to the house of her servants in Siena and beg to be admitted among them and was promised that by doing as he was told, his soul would be saved. It's interesting to add that in one way or another, we, we are all given a similar message. Do as we are told, and our souls will also be saved. There's a great lesson to be learned from our saints. Well, to make a long story short, because of the short time we have together, Peregrine went home, packed a few items, and then left for Siena. Apparently, through divine intervention, the good Father Philip had deliberately visited the monastery and was there to welcome young Peregrine Laciosi as a young man asked to be admitted to the order. And yes, Peregrine took his place among the servants of Mary and was eventually clothed in the black tunic and scapular of the servants of Mary on Christmas Day. And so the ministry of Peregrine Laciosi began, and from the fruits of his labor, the harvest for God was powerful, and the wonders he worked and the conversions he wrought were mighty indeed. And when he prayed, God listened. As usual, we don't have time to describe all that he accomplished, but let me give you a couple of examples. One hot day, Brother Peregrine was on his way back to the monastery. Oh, the sun was beating down, and he was very thirsty, and as he passed a small little dwelling, he asked the lady of the house if he might have a drink. She apologized, saying, Forgive me, brother, but I have nothing to give you. It's been some days since the barrel of wine has been empty, and my husband works hard to have enough to feed us, but not enough to buy wine. But God will provide for us in his own time. Well, Brother Peregrine was impressed with her faith, and raising his right hand, blessed the barrel, and then asked her to check it again. And when she did, out came fresh, fine wine. Well, the stories of Brother Peregrine could fill a book, but none more important and memorable than the story beginning with the pain in his leg that began as a small sore. However, the size and subsequent pain continued to increase, and over time it developed such a foul odor that it even bothered the other religious in the community. And in addition, the size of the wound was growing larger and larger. 
Brother Peregrine accepted the wound and offered up his suffering as just another gift to God. Of course, this was in the later years of Brother Peregrine's life, and because of his age, he had now been allowed to slow down from an overactive ministry. But his superior was even more concerned about the wound, as the size and odor seemed to increase and medical assistance was sought. The once small irritation had developed into an enormous cancerous cavity with gangrene. Seeing its present condition, the doctor ordered an immediate amputation of the leg at the knee. Peregrine accepted this again as the will of God, and the operation was scheduled for the next morning. Perhaps the worst part would be the effect on his holy ministry. So, in the dark of the night, before the scheduled operation, he managed to stagger into the chapel using the wall for support. He was never certain whether he dreamed this or whether it was real, but as he limped to a large painting of Christ crucified and and knelt before the painting on his one good knee, and then he spoke to Jesus, not complaining, but explaining his concern that the operation might limit his ability to carry Christ's message to his people. And then it happened. As he looked up at the body of Christ on the crucifix, he saw the pierced hand of Jesus disengaged from the cross and reaching down, it touched the aching sore of his leg. But in the morning, he wondered if all of this had been but a dream. Had this really happened? And almost by instinct, he reached down to touch the huge, open, oozing wound on his leg where Christ's hand had touched him, But now there was something different. There was no wound, no oozing, foul-smelling wound, and in its place was smooth, healthy skin. The leg was completely cure. Oh, the power of God is awesome. And Peregrine continued his ministry. He died on the 1st of May in 1345 and was canonized a saint in 1726. Peregrine was much like St. Paul, who was in open rebellion against the faith as a youth, but when given the grace of conversion, he became one of the great saints of his time, and his story has endured through the centuries. Peregrine's great fervor and understanding brought many back to the faith. Afflicted with cancer, Peregrine turned to God and was richly rewarded for his faith and is the patron saint of cancer patients. We can all offer up a simple prayer to St. Peregrine. Glorious wonder worker, St. Peregrine, you answered the divine call with a ready spirit and forsook all the comforts of a life of ease and all the empty honors of the world to dedicate yourself to God in the order of his holy mother. You labored manfully for the salvation of souls. In union with Jesus crucified, you endured painful sufferings with such patience as to deserve to be healed miraculously of an incurable cancer in your leg, 
by a touch of his divine hand. Obtain for us the grace to answer every call of God and to fulfill his will in all the events of our life. Enkindle in our hearts a consuming zeal for the salvation of all people. St. Peregrine proved so clearly that with God anything is possible. This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network.